then we do it. It's just like that. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is your friend C.L. King coming to you live from the High Definition Studios here in Jacksonville, North Carolina, the home of Impacting Life 24-7 and also the home of Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that have been following me for any period of time at all, you have maybe heard a smidgen or a sliver of my story. Why do we do what we do? Why is this banner behind me? Why is our model about impacting life 24-7? Because at an early age, and you guys have heard this, I was impacted dynamically by the two people that are in our virtual studios tonight. Listen, I've traveled all across the country, spoken almost a half a million people, and yet I still never forget the moments when I was just a 14-year-old kid that two people said, you know what? We don't care about your background. We don't care about your pedigree. We just want you to know about the love of Jesus Christ. Now, I was lucky enough to land in Lorain, Ohio at my second foster home and fall under the ministry of Dr. Lewis and Tina Kayatin. They have pastored in Lorain, Ohio for over 40 years and started multiple campuses of ministries throughout Northeast Ohio. The things that really compel people and attract people to Pastor Louie and Tina Kayatin is their love for others. They teach people how to live practically and they also teach people how to live for God. Now listen, this is October and October is Pastor Appreciation Month. So this is what a great apex to close out our week because this is it for us for Impact Life 24-7. What a great way to close out our week by honoring two generals of the faith. Now many people say, well, is it really necessary to talk about pastors? Is it really necessary to have a faith component in your life? Here's what I can say. People may argue with my faith. People may argue with my doctrine, but they can never argue with the outcomes. And Pastor Louis and Tina Kayatin are people that have invested their heart, their soul, their tears into the lives of countless thousands of people around the world. So I want all of you in Impacting Life land to welcome to the virtual studios my guests, Drs. Lewis and Tina Kayatin from Florida. Welcome, doctors. Yes, that's what we that's the that's the that's the effect we're looking for, sir. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, great to be with you. It is great to be with you, Pastor. And for those who don't know, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I put a lot of emphasis anytime we introduce someone, but when when we really overdo it when it's someone special like this. These people have been a part of my life for 32, 33 years and uh, really were the in, helped me understand who Jesus was and introduced me to this thing called church and ministry and growth and all that. So uh, we thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I know you guys were just at an event. And so I, I, I told all of our staff that, listen, these are two of the most precious people you could ever have a chance to interview. And I asked Dr. Kayatin, I said, I, I just did it on a whim. I said, would you consider being on my show? And I, Pastor Tina, I really 
really didn't think he was I, – I thought he was too busy. I thought he – I couldn't get him in for maybe another year or so. And he was like uh, – he was like, he was like yeah, sure. Let, huh? <laughs> We're retired. <laughs> it doesn't feel that way most of the time. Right. And so when he came back and said, he said, yes, I ran downstairs and said, babe, you won't believe what I'm going to have on the show. And so this is just, this is really, um, you know how you have people that you look up to when you're a kid and when you're growing up and, and you guys are really uh, at the apex of people that we honor and appreciate. So uh, for those of you that are listening to our podcast on Impacting Life 24-7, you know what we always do. We try to give you a way to connect with our guests because I believe that these people who we bring on make an impact long after they're on the show. So, Dr. Kayton, if you would, would you give people a way how that's the first thing we do? How can people connect with you and, and the things that you're doing? And if you don't want them to connect with you, I understand. But I know you've got other things going on. So how can people uh, stay connected with you? Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm on Facebook and just, you know, Lewis Kayton. I'm also on Instagram, uh, Twitter. Um, and I have a website where I have now a ministry that I do uh, that deals with wedding officiating, uh, that does uh, family consultations and marriage consultations, and also master of ceremonies. But that's lewiskayetonservices.com. That's my website. So people can check me out there and also communicate via that that uh, platform as well. Awesome. So Greg, put that in the chat for us, please. LewisCantonServices.com. And uh, Pastor Tina, you do not do social media much, do you? I don't. No, <laughs> I, I actually got on Facebook just because I um, wanted to see my grandkids. I was missing out on all the pictures, but I don't respond to anybody or anything because I just... I don't know. It's just not me. Yeah. And you know what? You're not missing much because every January, Pastor Tina, I do a, a Facebook and social media fast. And then I come back and realize, boy, I was missing everybody showing pictures of their dinner plates and, and telling me what they were doing, <laughs> what they have for lunch. So, yeah, it, that that's that's awesome. You two, you two have um, really made so many marks in so many people's lives. And October is recognized as pastor appreciation month we said that in our introduction um and so we're honored to have you two pastors and leaders and pastors of pastors in our in our studios and you know your lifelong commitment to ministry is notable but can can you describe because we talked about this a little bit off camera um your call to ministry and and when did you know god was calling you two to to ministry we'll let pastor tina go first okay well you know what we were 21 when we first heard about my husband was a foreman at u.s steel in lorraine and we never heard about being born again you know i was a good catholic girl and he went to church with me because i made him go to church with me <laughs> and he was willing but we heard about being born again and i was like how come we have never heard this before and so we were we were grafted in and as a result we were serving the Lord for three years in, in the same church that we met you in. And the Lord called us to full-time ministry. We were just hungry. We were so hungry for God and more of God. We didn't, we never had met him before. I was taught to love Jesus. I was taught to love God, but I wasn't taught to know him. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's what motivated us was, wow, we lived this whole time in our life. No one ever told us. We never heard about Jesus coming again. We never heard about you can have a personal relationship, know God and him know you. And, and we thought, 
man, somebody's got, we got to tell people this, you yeah. know? And it was like the Lord began to work in our lives and said, you know, you need to go do this. I'm like, not me. I don't want to do that. You know, I didn't really see myself standing in front of people or being up front anywhere. I was a good, you know, number two guy. Right. And I remember talking to my Sunday school teacher and about this whole thing. And he said, you know, Lou, listen to me. He said, if you can think of anything else that you would rather do or desire to do, then go do it. But if you can't, then I want you to quit your job, go to Bible college and learn as much as you can about Jesus and go preach. And that, that advice really changed our life. Really? And, and I answered the question. I said, I can't think of anything else I want to do. What about you? And she said, no, I want to tell people about Jesus. So that's what we did. We quit our job. I had a great job. We sold our house in 24 hours, packed up our belongings, took three children that were three, Maybe two, one, and one-year-old one, yeah. in, a, in a trailer, a U-Haul trailer, and headed to Florida to go to Bible college. <laughs> Wow, man. Listen to, listen to that, ladies and gentlemen. Thinking about, uh, is there anything else you would like to do in life? And if not, why don't you serve the Lord? What a, what a powerful call. Which, which Bible college did you guys go to? We went to Southeastern uh, Bible College. It was called Southeastern Bible College back then. It's now Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. Okay. And, yeah. and, and so this journey that you guys have been on has really been together the whole way. I mean, the the whole 40 plus years, you guys have been married over 50 years. And so this journey has been hand in hand. You went to Bible college together. Now, who got the better grades in Bible college? I know this wasn't in the questions, but who who did? Uh, <laughs> well, probably not. <laughs> she did really well. She was an A student. Is that I think right? I think it was a 3.4, but that, that wasn't good enough to beat team. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a powerful time for us because we had to work full time. We had three children. And uh, it was just a real busy, busy day. I mean, we'd start at five, six in the morning, go to midnight every night. And Tina would go out to work. When I came home, I'd watch the kids and she'd have them during the day. And it was just, it was a grueling schedule. But, you know, we right. loved every minute of it because we felt like this was a mandate from God and that that we had to hurry through college. So I, I took... Uh, I think it was 130 credit hours for your your BA. And I, I think I did that in two and a half years. I mean, I was oh taking 20 to 25 credit hours per semester. You know what I felt like? I felt like Jesus is going to come and I'm never going to be able to preach a sermon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you had to hustle. Huh? You had to really do it. Burning the candle on both ends. That's powerful. And 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 you're right. Uh I I you know, if we had that same urgency of of, of living for God today, my how much more we would hear the, the testimony of, of God being being preached around the world. Um let me ask you guys this, because just so I got clarity, because I didn't I didn't know a large portion of you guys' history because I was with you all for a, a, a segment of time and then I went off to the military. Um you you graduated from Bible college and you went back to to Lorraine, Ohio. Right. The pastor um, invited us to come back because we were attending the church for a little while. And then as soon as we got back, he left shortly after that. And the church was voting at that time. And so they voted us in. Yeah, so would you like to be the pastor? I'm like, no, nah, not really. <laughs> wow. This uh, is just like a whirlwind, huh? 
yeah it's, yeah uh, it's, so, it's been a whirlwind the whole 40 some years yeah, it really has yeah. it really has it's been but a good one yeah but god's been so faithful and opened up opportunities for us and you know, we, we kind of adopted this mantra that the person in front of you at any given moment is the most important person in your life mm. and make them feel that, make them sense that, make them know that. So that's been sort of our mantra to say every person has value and worth. And when you relate to them in that moment to say, you're the most important thing in my life right now because you're in front of me and God has caused our paths to cross. I think that is what brought most satisfaction for us and be able to communicate God's love through that, you know, through that framework and through that uh, basis. And that's sort of how we've kind of built our ministry. I can 100% attest to that, ladies and gentlemen. Again, I'm, I'm blessed. We're blessed to have in our virtual studios, Pastor Lewis and Tina Kayatin. They are, they say they're retired, but they're really not. They were the, they were the long, longest serving pastors, right? Or were you guys the longest serving pastors in Lorraine? Yeah, uh, I don't know if there was anybody Not else longer. Than, I mean, all the churches. I have no idea. But <laughs> we were there a long time. I saw a lot of people come and go. You surely did. That. Forty years is a, is a generation. So, <laughs> and and uh, what what he said about making the person in front of you feel important. I can say that that as a fourteen and fifteen year old kid, you know, navigating through a church that was relatively large even at that time. Um, whenever I would have an interchange with interchange with Pastor Kayton or Pastor Tina, of course, Pastor Tina is the mother of, of uh, she is the the epitome of a motherly example. But Pastor Kayton always made time to make me feel important, and that's that's a mantra that that uh, has been lost over the years. You know, because of our busyness and and hush, hurry hurried up schedule, and and you know we got to go on to the next thing. But you always did that f- for me. And, and I saw you and I, I saw that modeled in, in your interactions with others, you know, as lead pastors for 40 years, how have you all seen, um, you know, changes in culture positively or negatively affect the church? Well, when we first got saved and we started attending that church, we were, we ate with the pastor a lot, breakfast or whatever. And it was funny back then they would give minister discounts in restaurants and stores. Mm-hmm. And today it has changed so much. You know, we feel like you know, the coming of the Lord is so right around the corner. I mean, it could be this very moment. Mm-hmm. And so many people haven't respected the King of Kings. They don't respect him. They don't understand him. It's just so optional, you know, so it's, it's really changed a lot. I think that's one of the biggest marks is that when we first started, there was a general respect and honor for the church and for what it stood for. Right. And for the people who operated within the confines of that call. Whereas today it's almost full of suspicion, ridicule. Mm-hmm. It's the whole TV evangelist thing, you know, right. that's just trying to get your money, all of that. So culturally outside the church it has just definitely shifted but i think inside the church there has been a cultural shift as well through that whole uh indoctrination of progressivism Mm -hmm. where now we're seeing a more liberal viewpoint on uh on what used to be i should say what used to be in the church um holiness or separated lifestyle 
today we're now embracing things because we're saying, well, God is love, man. You just got to accept people and, you know, they'll come around. And I'm not saying we don't accept people, but the word of God is true. And mm. not because a culture calls it false, do we then say, okay, well, because you all say it's false, we're going to agree with you because we want you to come to our church. Right. So I think there's been that kind of a shift of that progressive mentality uh, that has pressed. And I think that's come through the education systems, you yeah. know, whether it's the colleges or higher learning or high schools, the curriculum that we're seeing, you know, change all across our country. But anyway, that's a big subject right there. I probably should open up. No, no, page. I love it. I, I, my, my, you see that little hamster running around in my head. I'm just like, okay, I got 20 more questions to ask him about that. But, <laughs> and, and, and looking at it, because like I told you, I work with a lot of churches and, you know, their church development and all that there you almost feel like there's this there's this pressure to conform to the to the shifts of culture for for the church to be relevant and like the shoreline continues to move further and further and further and further and further are you are you seeing that to be the case dr Cayton? absolutely yeah absolutely and i think internally as church leadership our culture has to be so strong we can't have you know a lot of people say well i understood your church was like multicultural well they're talking about race there and it has been and then um, we're thankful for that because god has given us a grace to be able to have various cultures in our church at any given time but the culture that i'm talking about in the local church mm -hmm. ought to be that atmospheric culture where <laughs> everybody connects to it because presence and glory is what we manufacture. It's what we connect with. Right. And without that, you really are just going to succumb to the cultures of the exterior or of the world system and try to accommodate that. We need to fight for the presence of God. And mm. we need to say, you know what? We're not satisfied until our atmosphere is charged with the presence of Jesus. Oh, that's right, man. We might we might have a little charge in this atmosphere tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm joined by Pastor Lewis and Tina Canton, 40-year-long pastors of Church on the North Coast. And uh, you can connect with Pastor Canton, Dr. Canton, at lewiscantonservices.com. LewisCantonServices.com. He has some. Uh, he's retired, but he's also a wedding officiant, and uh, down there in the area of Florida. And so, these people who you're looking at tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and who are you listening to on our podcast? These were my first pastors as a 14 year old kid, foster kid in Lorain, Ohio. And you guys remember my foster mom, right? <clears throat> Oh, yes, of course. Oh, my goodness. We love the Plowden family. She's one of the mothers of the church. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the mother in the community, too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forget. How many uh, How many foster kids did she have? I'm Eight, trying to think. 80, 83. 83. Wow. I thought it was close to 100. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. And and I was her favorite. She made no apologies about that. So there's well, that. You were our favorite. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You sure were. You always brought so much joy to us. That's one of the things I always remember mm -hmm. is, is a joyful heart. And you had an outlook that was so positive. Yes, sir. I was a young guy here, and man, he's just so positive. We could see on your face, okay, is this real? You know, what's happening? You would, there was a question on your face. Yeah, there was. And it was really, it was really exciting because you were confident. 
right. and you were helpful and you were involved in everything. It was, and you were fun. You were fun with the kids. It was wonderful. That was a good time, man. I, yes. If, if, if I, if my back would hold up, I'd still be doing that, but uh, you know, <laughs> I got to get it, get in the gym again, Pastor Kitchen. So when, right. when we talk about raising a family, uh, while pastoring, I know that that has dynamics, but you guys were raising a family from, from you know, almost from the start. Uh, tell us how you manage the joys and the challenges of leading a congregation and leading your family. Well, you know, God gave us a special, especially me. I mean, he was an awesome, awesome preacher, but I, I fell in love with God's word when I first got saved. I wasn't necessarily a reader or anything, but I could not put my Bible down. And so as a result, it impacted my children. They saw me read my Bible every morning. Um, I taught them. We, if he was busy, it would be me. If it was, he wasn't busy, we'd be doing it together. But we never missed family devotions. You mm. know, we prayed with our kids all the time. So they inherited that from us. And today we feel like we are living in such a wordless um churches generations, generations right. but generations in the church because the children don't know the prayers they don't know scripture they i don't i'm not saying everybody doesn't right know, but I understand. there's so many that don't so how do you fight how do you fight the enemy if you don't know the word of god right you know so when we were raising our children they were taught the word of god and i i really we attribute that today yeah. um by our love for each other and our love for the word, and they love the word today. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the, you know, when you talk about the scripture in Psalms, it says the entrance of your word brings light. That, that you know, this is a darkness in the world. And Luke 1, I think it is, verse 79, 79 says, those in the north shall see a great light. They live in darkness. And it's all about Jesus. And then John about him being the word, the word was made flesh. It, it is so vital. And I think today in preparation of what all is coming, going on and coming at us today mm -hmm. with the shift in the world system. I mean, just think about it. In 2022, in Abu Dhabi, or Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi, I forget <laughs> how you say it. Anyway, the Pope and the, uh, the Can Bishop of Canterbury and the leader of Islam have all agreed to build Abraham's house or a world religious center. It's going to be built, it's gonna be opened by 2022, it's gonna have a mosque, it's gonna have a synagogue, and it's gonna have a church. And the Pope Francis is advocating one world religion. Now, these are things we used to hear about years ago that is gonna happen in the right. Antichrist and all of this. It's called Chrislam, the yeah. merging of Christianity and Islam. Well, there is no merging between those two religions. The, the, the God of Islam is not the God of, of Jesus. He's not, he's not Jesus. Right. So what I'm trying to say is today more than ever that the only preservation that our generation, our children are going to have is if we infuse the word of God into them because they don't know what's wrong or what's right or what's true or what's false or what's good or what's evil because they have no absolute. Right. I mean, 9%. Uh, think about this, 9% of all Christians even read their Bible daily. Mm. So you're looking at, you're looking at this huge 91% of the people that are 
basically biblically illiterate. <laughs> so how do you become a fighter when you have no armor, you have no bullets in your gun, you've got this gun, but you have no firepower. Right. So I think as children, we saw that our kids had to learn the word of God. Right. And we continue to do that today with them. They're all adults. They're all taken over the church. They're pastors and campus pastors up there in those various locations. And we still have the privilege to be able to share with them. What does the word of God say? Boy, that's our, kids, our grandkids have come home and said, what's wrong with this? You know, a girl liking a girl, what's wrong with um, having an abortion? They, if you don't know the word of God, you're so confused in schools today. Yeah, you know, I agree. And one of the things that has really stood out to me uh, is I do recall and I, you know, don't ever don't ever underestimate the influence that you can have on a young person. That's why my ministry is a large portion of it. What we do and what we travel to is schools and 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 minister to to young people. Um, but I saw definitive lines and borders and boundaries and, and clarity and it, you know there people it confuse grace with gray they yeah. conf, they confuse grace with well it's not really black or white yeah. they you, don't understand that grace simply means god gives you the ability to do the right thing that's right that's right yeah so my cousin niecy jordan she's actually ruth's uh my my foster mom's granddaughter she commented here and says they have speaking of pastor lewis and tina kayton they have always been great leaders of the community and valuable to our family so again the the generations that you guys have impacted just continues on and on man we're we're blessed i'm i'm foregoing commercials tonight ladies and gentlemen because i have two very esteemed guests with me dr lewis and tina kayton um you can connect with dr kayton at uh, com and also on Facebook and Instagram. He is a social media mogul, so you can connect with him there. And uh, so we're talking about, because this is, this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I reached out to them because, like I said, they were my first pastors. Remember, I was a, a kid of the system. I was bounced around from group homes and foster homes. And my last foster home, actually, I'm, my chair is named after Ruth E. Plowden that I sit in. Um, I, she said that you had to go to church. That was one of the requirements to live in Mom Plowden's house. She didn't play. She played that Southern gospel music on Sunday. And she said, you going to church. You ain't laying up in no crib. And, and now kids got all kind of choices to do that. But anyway, uh, Pastor Louis and Tina Canton, they, they received me as, as, a, as another child of theirs and really just took me in, kind of bandaged up my wounds and and taught me about the love of Jesus. And I love that they're unapologetic in their faith, not not mean or malicious, but definitely clear and concise. And that's what we need more than ever in this hour is is clarity from the pulpit. So I want to thank you guys. 40 years of ministry. You guys can say whatever you want on this show. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, Church on the North Coast is a is a pillar in Northeast Ohio, where you guys went, started going, went to college, came back. They said, hey, want a pastor? Sure, we'll do it. Um, <laughs> what are some memorable moments of impact you recall during your 40 years of leadership there? Well, there's a there's so many, it's probably hard to, to kind of whittle it down. But I think in the early days, um, the excitement about the gathering, 
of, of God's people, the people that loved Jesus and the acceptance that they had. I mean, from the very beginning, when we first um, received Jesus as our savior, it was from a group of people from our church who uh, created us a home group situation that did it specifically because we unsaved were coming over that house that night because we had questions about Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was a spontaneous gathering. There was about 15 or 20 people there. We walked in the door and we were totally on church. I mean, we had no knowledge of anything to do with Jesus, kingdom, Christianese, none of that stuff. Not the born again type. Not the born again <laughs> stuff. Right, right. And, uh, and man, we walked in there and it was nothing but love, saturation. It was all about, you know, us and a little woman by the name of Illyrio Gilbert. I'll never forget her. She's in heaven now. She was about four foot 11, maybe four foot 10, um, Hispanic woman. I was getting ready to leave because I had to go to 11 to seven shift that night. I was working nights and she came up to me and put a little track in my hand. And she said, I just want you to read this. You just read this. And there's a little prayer at the end. And you pray that prayer, okay? And she said, you're going to do that? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Off to work I went. I read the track, prayed that prayer all night long. I felt like I was walking three feet above the ground. Little did I know she gave Tina a book called Hear My Confession by a Catholic Priest. He is born again in this book and talks directly to Catholics. So she stays up all night while I'm at work reading this book, praise the prayer at the end of it. I get home in the morning and I said, you know what? That was amazing. I think I'm, I think I'm saved. She goes, I think I am too. So, and that's how we start. So what do we do now? I guess we know the church from these people and that's how we were introduced. But the, that innocence, that, that simplicity was, was one of the pillars, I think, early on that helped us to realize that Love has to be established here and the value of the individual, regardless, we change our uh, schedules, we accommodate their need, we fit it in so that they can get to Jesus. And that's what they did. And that helped us to kind of create the foundation of the ministry. So that's one, but we've had so many, I mean, to, from, from the Christian school that we started, from the great camp meetings that we had, I mean, I'll never forget back in 1995, we built the new building that we're in currently and it seats 2000 people, I think something like that. But uh, I, I just reached out to TD Jakes, you know, and he, I said, would you come and speak at my camp meeting? He said, yes. <laughs> and I remember that TD Jakes was there that night and it was our first night in the building after we had, I mean, the paint wasn't even dry on right. the walls. <laughs> And the place was packed. I mean, people everywhere. I think we had close to 2,800 people. They were in the gym, overflow on screens. People were arguing over seats, <laughs> pushing people away. It was it was so exciting to see the word. And then Juanita Bynum, yep. she was there one night and uh, just began to prophesy on people. Rod Parsley, uh, he was just there with only uh, what Rod Parsley can do. And right. And, you know, Jesse Duplantis and all these people began to fill the, the the word of God into that little region called the city of Lorraine. So that was that was so powerful. But I think, too, is real quickly is the people that we saw come in broken 
or that had made mistakes, that had maybe fallen into adultery and they're embarrassed about their life. And we said, you know what? You, we can redo this. And, and to see them not run away, but embrace the grace of God and the cross and, and find their place again and then be raised up as a leader. And we didn't have to, no one had to know, you know, what their past was. Right. And, and it was just beautiful to see those kinds of advances. I don't know if you have something, Tina, that you could say, but just powerful stuff like that. Well, there was so much... Um prayer that birthed all of that yeah. we were saved because of the hippie movement you know the jesus movement and that's why we got saved because these teenagers were all coming together and they got saved and then their parents got saved and as a result that church began right. because of that you know we we didn't know the lord we made all these stupid mistakes and so we were new and so when people came in, we knew how to love them because God just loved us. Just loved us. He forgave yeah. us of all the things that we've done wrong. We didn't see ourselves as pastors and the sheep. We saw ourselves as one with them because we were newly saved. Yeah. You know, we were just like them. They were just like us. You know, so it wasn't a, a church thing we were taught. Yeah. We, we weren't taught. taught that. We right. were sitting in the pew one day, it seemed like, and then all of a sudden we're pastoring people that should have been us sitting in the queue. Right, man. That, that, that is so powerful. You mentioned, uh, pastor Kenton, you mentioned some, some very notable names in, in the Christian faith and believe this or not, you, you, it's funny. You mentioned, uh, Rod Parsley down there in Columbus, a couple, maybe a year ago on their live or, or something that he was doing, I messaged him. I do that really for people just to see if I can get a response. And yeah. I and I messaged him and he responded. I said, do you remember coming preaching in the tent in Lorraine, Ohio, the camp meeting, 1993, wall of fire? He was like, oh, yes, with Pastor Canton. I remember him. I was just like, okay, man, see it. And this is 25 years later. Um, yeah. but, but 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 those impacts th that you that you guys are talking about are so real. And ladies and gentlemen who are tuning in and, and listening to our show and, and tuning in live, uh, th this is this is kind of like a family reunion of sorts for me because these Pastor Lewis and Tina Canton, they are my very first pastors. Um, they took in a 14 year old kid, gave me my first job in church and uh, just really loved me, uh, loved me when I was unlovable. And that's really the way they did every single person. And so they, they taught me that that Jesus, his blood was red and everything else didn't matter. And so it didn't matter that they were white and I was black. It was just like, let's get on out here and do something for the Lord. Um, and so they're retired. But let me ask you guys this. Do pastors really retire? And 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 what are y'all doing now that you're no longer lead pastors? Well, we try to retire, but <laughs> <laughs> we, because we're in Florida now, we miss our kids. We spend four months in Ohio and then eight months here. So they come throughout the year and visit us. So we can't, we stay busy with that, yeah. but we also attend faithfully two different churches that are not alike at all, but we're in love with the people and we're in love with the worship and the word that they, so we are committed to them. And as a result of that, um, we get to know the needs and how to minister to some of the people and to pray for them. There's so much time we could spend our whole day praying. Yeah, <laughs> we right. have a list that is so long because when you get into a congregation, you get to know the people 
And if you don't have somebody to pray you through, right now we're praying through with a family from the Valley View Church in um, Ohio. And he's, he's a 911 guy every other moment, it seems like right now. Mm -hmm. And his wife and children are desperate for a healing from the mm -hmm. Lord. Mm -hmm. My husband dealt with cancer three years ago, mm -hmm. and he's a recovery of cancer. And so his, our life changed. We thought we knew how to love people then, but we really know how to love people now. We know how to stay with them and pray for them. People that we meet on the street, we pray for our neighborhoods and individuals in our neighborhoods. So we find out more. It's easier for us now to find out more um, of what's going on in people's life mm -hmm. and to minister to them one-on-one. -on -one. Before we were responsible for so many people, right. but now we get to minister one-on-one. -on -one. That's how I felt with Joshua Kids, being the director of it. I'm like, I can't just love on one kid all the time, which I wanted to do. I had to love on everybody, which I love to do. But I feel like I missed out from, you know, we sponsored children. Right. And I didn't get the opportunity to spend as much time with just one and spoil them rotten. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I get a chance to speak, you know, as the Lord opens doors. I don't go out and solicit for spots. But, you know, if something opens up and I'm able to preach, then I, I'll take a, a word that God's put in my heart to that local congregation. I feel like, again, uh, my stage in life, it's patriarchal, it's prophetic, and I like to speak to a house in regards to, for example, the, the times that we're in. I think we're minutes away from the rapture of the church, not days or years. And so the preparation of that is likened unto Daniel and his companions when they were in Babylon. Well, what does that look like? So I'd like to kind of unwrap that, unpack that, share that. So I preached a lot this summer, and I get opportunities down here as well. But you know, it's really interesting about wedding officiants down in Southwest Florida. People come from all over the country to be married down here on a beach. And uh -huh. it's awesome. I love doing it. I love where I work now. It's on a beach. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. But it gives me a chance to connect with them. It gives me a chance to often talk to them about the Lord or pray with them. Uh, so that's another opportunity. I do family consults and being able to help people when they're in crises. Um, whether that's a marriage or whether that's, you know, relationally with their children, et cetera. So we're, we're busy with that. Um, but I think our, our, our real burden right now is morning and evening prayer. It's the, it's the whole Gideon resurrection. When, when Gideon tore down the altar of his father because Baal had been established right upon the foundation of God's altar, Bales was built on top of it. It is so descriptive of what's happened today in America that we need to tear that down. Well, it tells us that he took the bull in the morning and the evening and made a sacrifice. And it was sort of the, the prayer moment that when you cry out to God, because he who controls the altar controls the territory. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Prayer is, is your altar and, and just bring people before you. So we meet people all over the place. I and mean, we've got a guy that we're praying for that Tina met one time at a gas station. He asked her for some money, right? Tell yeah, me about yeah. that. Well, it was, he was, you could tell he was a user yeah. and I didn't get a lot of time because they wanted to shoo us off the property, but we got to talk a little bit. And all I got was his name and I never got to see him again. That was almost two years ago, but we pray for him every morning. Twice every a day. Night. We're going to see that man in heaven. His name is Dalton. 
And Dalton, Dalton Dean, you, Dalton Dean, you may be listening tonight and you need to be saved, dude. You need to give your life to Jesus. But those are the kind of things that we love doing. And right. there's another woman that told us about, hey, when you think about it, pray for my daughter. She's in Portland and she lives on the street and she's a user. And, and her name is Amy. And we pray for Amy every morning and Amy every night. And then other prayer times that and, come in. And God has answered so many prayers. Right. We see the power of it. When he said that this woman, Lirio Gilbert, that handed him a track to get saved, this woman was such a prayer person. She would be in the sanctuary before we would have um, vacation Bible school. She would be in the sanctuary every morning before Joshua kids would start. Because of the base that was there, that's why there was on her knees, on her right. knees consistently, and because of that, I we believe that that church stayed strong because of it. Mm. People were saved as a result, and those are the kind of things that we need to bring back to the kingdom of God, and and Jesus longs for that kind of relationship again with people who fall in love with him, not church, right. but fall in love with him, and as a result, we love the church, but yes. the people, right. you know, we love the people. It's not what you build. It's not how big you build it. It's not your doctrine. It's not your, I mean, it's got to right. be his doctrine, right. <laughs> but it's it's about loving him with all of our heart. And then we please him. It's the only way to be led by the spirit of God is that if we're not led by the spirit of God, we're not how do we yet. minister to people one-on-one -on -one and genuinely and break down the barriers and the walls? There's no other way to do it. We've tried to do it on our own. Right. It doesn't work. And it's tiresome. Ladies That's our ministry, sort of what we're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, I, I could sit and listen to, I'm just like, I don't even want to ask any more questions. I'll just turn the show over to y'all. Let's just go ahead and just go ahead and take a text and let's get it. Uh, I'm joined tonight, ladies and gentlemen, by my first pastors, Pastor Lewis and Tina Kent. And you can connect like you heard Pastor Kent and talk about being a wedding officiant and, and officiating weddings and counseling and uh, speaking and still ministering to people. Uh, you can connect with him at lewiskayetonservices.com. Uh, you find him on Instagram as well as Facebook. So when we're talking about Pastor Appreciation Month, um, one of, what is a misconception about pastoring you'd like to clear up? A misconception. What well, people assume about pastoring. Well, what people assume, okay. I thought maybe the pastors that had a misconception about what pastoring maybe was. the occupation, like what, what yeah. about, about the occupation of a pastor? Yeah. Well, to me, the occupation or what should occupy a person who proclaims to be a pastor is what the Greek word calls poimen. Poimen is, is the word shepherd. And it, li it literally means to touch and to teach. <laughs> and so that is where, the the basis for a pastor is in a local church he is to touch the sheep and he is to teach the sheep but in that touching it's what they call feeding so the feeding and touching go hand in hand it's sort of like he anoints my head with oil right and so it's the touching of the sheep but it's also the leading of the sheep and bringing them into a place of feeding i think a misconception by the population about a pastor would be that they perform duties and assignments and portfolios that have been designed by a board of directors or elders 
that does all of the things other than poimen, other than touching and teaching. I mean, you know, you have to cut the grass. When I started, I was cutting the grass at the church. I was cleaning up the, the, the sanctuary afterwards, and I was emptying out the dirty diapers in the nursery. And I, you know, before the second service on Sunday night, I'd clean the windows. And why was I doing all that? Because nobody else did it. I just did it. You know? But but there wasn't this there wasn't this understanding that okay, this man has the word of God in his mouth. This man has a calling to teach and to touch. Mm -hmm. Let's create an atmosphere for him to maximize that. Right. Because you can't be doing all of this and do that too very well. So I think that's some of the misconceptions about pastoring, but it works on both sides of it. Right. If the pastor doesn't understand that that's his calling of touching and teaching, then he's, if he's out of touch with his people or he's just regurgitating messages that he's heard from someone else, <laughs> he's really not feeding either. So that's a misconception as well. So wow. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, that's powerful. Do you, do you, that, no, it's, that's, that's exactly what I was looking for. What do you think, Pastor Tina? I think if I was going to um, encourage someone just beginning, I would tell them, make sure you stay in love with Jesus. Church and being a pastor is not the culture that we have created over the centuries. It's not, it's not what church really is. Church is not building up our ego. It's serving the people. Um, of course, we have to protect our time because we need to spend more time in the word and prayer. But at the same time, it's building up the people. And in pastoring, your family has to come number one. They yeah. have to be first. You yeah. have to lead them by example. There's no other way to do it. Or you'll lose your own family and try to try to serve the people. And I, I think it's just really spending that time in prayer and the word. And so you hear the voice, the voice of the Lord. Right. And then you build the church the right way instead of through a culture that you copy. That's yeah. that's powerful. That'll be the priority. Yeah. Yes, sir. And and ladies and gentlemen, you can hear in Pastor Tina's voice uh, the the uh, she is a woman of deep prayer. And uh, I mean, just in a in just in a normal conversation, Pastor Tina can can uh, feel the Holy Ghost and go off and 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 be very very sensitive to God. And and that's what I do recall and remember uh, seeing that modeled for me as a young 14 year old kid from the hood living with mom Plowden, and these people took me in uh, and taught me uh, how to love God and to love people and to love myself because, you know, now in my book, where I'll be talking about this. You know, I, I just couldn't believe some of the things that happened to me. Maybe I wasn't good enough. And uh, these folks really, really taught me those things. Um, Tell us about Pastor Canton. We we briefly touched on it, but your battle and victory over cancer and, and your thoughts on health and wellness. Wow. Now that's a whole book. With yes, sir. Chapters. <laughs> it really is. Uh, you know, it was 2018, January. Um, I had experienced some issues and I went to see a urologist and uh, they did some testing and said, well, you have three cancerous tumors in your bladder. And, uh, I'm like, wow, you know, really? Okay. So he's a man that ran every single day, uh, yeah. eats very healthily. And so it was really like, are you kidding? Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, I exercise every day. I ran five miles this morning. So, I mean, I do that every day of my life. I eat well, I try to be careful, but um, anyway, 
So that that started it. And he said, you're from Cleveland, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, get on a plane, go back to the Cleveland Clinic. They've got the best urology department in the country. So we did that. Three days later, we were back on a plane. And I saw a urologist uh, just a few days later. They scheduled a surgery in March of 2018, took out the three tumors, put me on a regimen of chemo. I met with my oncologist. He said, we're going to get 12 weeks of chemotherapy just to kill any radical cancer cells that might be floating around your body. And then we're going to do a radical cystectomy. That'll follow that once you heal up from the chemotherapy. So when I started chemotherapy, uh, it didn't go well for me. My body crashed, my blood counts, white and blood, uh, red blood cells crashed dangerously low, um, where I was taking my temperature a couple times a day to make sure that I didn't become uh, uh, infected in any way. And so uh, they said, look, we're going to get you off chemo. We're going to take you right to surgery. And I think that was the Holy Spirit um, that I needed to get it done before it would spread any further. So I went into surgery in uh, May, I think it was May 31st. Um, it was an 11 hour surgery. I was in there a long time, came out, uh, radical cystectomy. What they do is they take out your bladder, they take out your prostate, uh, seminal glands, lymph noids, uh, part of my uterus to my kidney, um, you know, just clean you completely out. And then, um, it was a 10-day hospital stay before I was able to go home in about a four-month recovery. So it was pretty much the whole 2018 year. But during that time, it was probably the most intimate moments that I've ever had with, with Jesus. Because there were times in my life that I was so sick during that chemotherapy. I felt like I was in, a, in darkness all around me and I couldn't find the way out. I, people would say, well, how you feel? I said, well, I feel like I can't find even a pinhole to even get my attention to say, if I just focus, I'll, I'll get out. And I just felt like I was lost and, and my body was so weak. But during those moments, the Holy Spirit revealed to me, and maybe some other time we could talk about it, 10 or 12 different affirmations that I was going to live and not die. Mm. And he spoke to me specifically through circumstances, through people, I mean, I'll give you one instance, okay? One instance. I was reading my Bible in the morning. I had just, I think I had the first surgery. I don't remember the sequence now, but, uh, and I was reading about Zerubbabel, where you speak grace, grace to this mountain. And I'm like, okay, that's powerful scripture. I went out on a walk. I was walking and this old man started walking toward me. I never saw him before. In a place where I was walking, you'd often see the same people. He was walking a little a terrier dog. It was white dog. And he had this hair, long hair and a beard. And he kind of looked like, when I was walking up to him, I'm like, man, I, if anybody looks like God, that guy can look like God to me. You know, he had this beard and hair. <laughs> it was just weird. Right. And, and so I walked up there. He he came to me and he had one of those uh, expandable leashes on his dog. His dog came running up to me, jumped up on my leg and started barking. Just <laughs> And all he said was, and he pulled the dog back, he said, grace, grace, and kept on walking. And all of a sudden, I remembered what God had showed me in the scripture about grace, grace to the mountain. Mm. And it was like a kiss from heaven that God said, I'm going to give you grace, grace. He never said a word to me, that man. He just called for his dog. 
His dog's name was Grace. It jumped on me and he spoke to Grace, Grace to my life to get Grace off of me. It was just like, how does that happen? But that was only one of about 10 or 12 wow. instances. That is so that is so pop. Where's the book? Where the, I didn't get the, the, you didn't forward me the copy of the book. Where is it at? I didn't write a book yet, but I should. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. If you, we'll, we'll get our, he'll get his book out when you get your book. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He'll probably beat me still. <laughs> oh, well, you, need to, you need to release your book. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. And Pastor Tina, how did, how was, you know, navigating that, that time with, with Pastor Kayton, uh for you? Well, I had a lot of support with my my grown children. It was it was wonderful. They were right there. We were all together in Ohio, so that was really good. Um, I felt the presence of God make me strong when I needed to be strong, and He did that for me. So, a lot of people go through things, and you wonder why. And we know we believe God's a healer. We do believe it. We right. believe it. We still believe it. It doesn't matter what you go through. He's a sovereign God, and and if we don't understand things, it doesn't change that he's a healer. Right. And so we were tested a little bit in that, but we are still believing for a miracle for him. He has to wear an ostomy bag, and it's not fun to deal with that every single day. But we're believing that God's going to recreate his bladder and put it back where it's supposed to be. <laughs> that's, that's he's a miracle every day. God. We do. We pray that every day. And, and when that happens, I'm going to walk into Cleveland Clinic and say, hey, y'all, come here. I want you to take a look at something. <laughs> yeah. Because they had to take part of my intestine and make a stoma out of it so that my kidneys can drain out of my stomach into a bag. Wow. And I don't want to gross everybody out right. here on the podcast, but that's just the reality of it. Right. But I'm going to tell you, post all of that, I love deeper. I'm a better husband. I'm a better pastor. I'm a more sincere friend. And I understand the heart cries of people like I never have. I sat in hospital rooms for 40 years holding the hands of people who were going to chemotherapy, but I never understood right. the depth of what they were feeling, but now I do, and I pray for people totally different now. So what the devil meant for evil, God yeah, turned for good. good, and you know, right now I have no reoccurring cancer. They don't say that you're cancer-free. You got to go at least five years, and they gave me a prognosis of... Uh, 90 percent 80-90% chance of living five years. Well, I'm already three. And I'm like, I'll take that. 80-90% is pretty good. <laughs> we, we believe we're going up in the rapture together, so that's okay. But I want to say this with all that, what people go through, we are going to stand before the Lord. He's going to look at our face and we're going to see his face. And it could be tonight. And if that's the case, I don't want to be embarrassed and ashamed in front right. of him. I want right. to draw closer to him. I want to I want to love what he loves mm -hmm. and I can't love what he loves unless I'm broken, obedient, walk in fear and trembling of God's word. Right. And there was one other, but that's in Isaiah 66. We, how are we going to stay broken? How are we going to walk in the fear of the Lord unless we go through things right. and, and obey him? So those are the things that are going to keep us not being humiliated in front of him mm -hmm. when we see his face. Don't let those things make you bitter or angry. Let them make you better so that you know you can go deeper with your relationships and with God. And so I, I look at that time and it was a horrible time, but yet at the same time, I'm looking back and saying, 
Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I, I forgot you could sing, too. Pastor Pastor, Pastor Kansi could sing. Yeah, when, when him and Pastor Lee would get together, there was some good times. Yeah, remember that? <laughs> I would just love to break out in my preaching and sing a little song. Yeah. But, you know, I just want to thank you, Lord, yeah. because his goodness is overwhelming. And to every listener, his goodness is there with you. Right. His sovereign kindness and his gentleness. If you just reach out to him and ask him, he'll touch your life. Wow, powerful. Guys, I, I you guys are going to have to give me a few extra minutes, y'all, because I got I got to get these last two questions out. You guys got a few more minutes? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I, that when you when you have it it's like you when you're in the one of those services that you don't want it to end, you know, one of them church services where you're just lingering around and it's midnight and everybody's still in the sanctuary. So uh this is October Pastor Appreciation Month and I asked uh uh these these two fine pastors to join me on Impacting Life twenty four seven. Uh, Dr. Lewis and Tina Kayatin. You can find him at lewiskayatinservices.com and on Instagram and Facebook. And the reason why I asked asked them to be on because they had such a dynamic impact in my life. I've, obviously, I'm I'm you know someone Pam. You guys remember Pam Longhorn, right? Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. She gave me the ultimate compliment on one of my lives one day. I was doing a teaching about something, and she says, "I hear Pastor Kayatin in you." And I said, oh, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> I'd probably get thrown out of more meetings than you did, but because <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bizarre sometimes. But anyway, tell us about uh, multiple campuses uh, that and, and, and you started and why you feel that having more than one church campus throughout the region is important in spreading the gospel. Right, right. Well, that was something that God put in our heart. You know, we wanted to plant churches. That was our goal. So we would bring in young men and women, raise them up, give them an internship in our church, and then send them out into the region, whether it was Strongsville, whether it was Brecksville, whether it was, you know. Down uh, here in Florida. Down here in Florida. <laughs> Pastor Des- Greg, Destiny yeah. Church. <laughs> and, and to help them get started. And I've always, I was driving by Route 480 and 77 in Ohio. And uh, just outside of Cleveland, and I thought, man, this needs to there needs to be a church here. Gosh, this is I mean, it's this intersection of people and cars. And I keep saying that, keep saying that. One day I'm driving by and I say that and I hear the Lord say, "You started." I said, "No, no, no, I'm too old for that. I'm not starting anything. Right. I've got enough to deal with right back in Moraine." Right. And I felt like the Lord told me to do it, and so. I came back, told, talked to Tina about it, my staff, and I said, let's do it. We've had people come from camp meeting from all over Cleveland to be a part of Lorraine. Maybe they'll remember us and want to be a part of what we offer. So we uh, put a little flyer out and rented a hotel room at the Embassy Suites and had 300 people show up on the first service. And so it was <laughs> it was a pretty powerful thing. It was pretty cool. Right. So that's why that started. And then from there... It was expanding further east. So right now, Church on the North Coast covers Lorraine County, Cuyahoga County, has a church in Cuyahoga County, has a church in um, Lake. Lake County. So we cover three counties from one end to the other with three different, lo- four different locations. I forgot about that. We have fourth in Avon, Avon Lake, Lake as well. Mm-hmm. So that's in Lorraine County. But it just started because people wanted this 
this minister. They wanted this message, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a personality about a message, I suppose. And so they said, we want you to come out here. Well, I wish the church wasn't so far. And it just worked out where God gave us a building out in Wycliffe, Ohio. Right. Uh, just gave it to us. I mean, it's like, hey, you want this building? I'm like, no, I don't want this building. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing with this building? So it just happened, but we don't do the simulcasts. We don't do on the screens. Right. We do live preaching in every service. Right. And we have rotating uh, campus pastors. Campus pastors. Yeah, campus well. pastors, but rotating preaching on Sunday. And that's just our vision because it's difficult to get a sense of feeling of the room, the atmosphere of what God is doing. If you're on a screen and you're not there, right. Gifts of the spirit, ministering to people, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of how we do it, but it just birthed out of, out of a burden to see people saved again. You know, it's just kind of been the theme. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I really do um, see that, you know, here in, in our area, you know, it's like you start thinking about it. It's like, okay, you've traveled, 45, 50 minutes up the road, an hour up the road. And it's just like, man, there needs to be there. You feel that void, you know what I'm saying? And, right, and, and right. it's like, man, God. And, and so that's, I, that kind of goes along with church planting. Cause that was one of our other questions. You know, you've had church plants come out of your ministry as well, right? Oh yeah. Many of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I mean, that's, that's just, that's just so beautiful to, to see when, when, just so our audience can understand, because I'm, I'm going to brag on you guys until you're, you, I mean, you got, you guys have a chapter in my book, so I'm going to brag on you guys forever. <laughs> you're being too kind, you know, yeah, yeah, but, you but give us, just give us a sense of the, of the ministry that was at the, at the main campus. Wasn't that, do you remember the square footage of, of space that you were responsible for? Yeah, it was, I think it was about 82,000 square feet. Uh, at one point at the apex of the whole ministry, we had like 70 some employees. Uh, it was a school. a school. We had a school from kindergarten, a preschool all the way to senior high. Uh, yeah, it was four different, let's see, one, two, yeah, four different buildings on the campus in Lorraine. Right. So, I forget how many acres. I, I don't remember. Yeah, that's Again, I put a picture up today of of the of the aerial view of of that campus. Oh, and, yeah, okay. I'm, we're we're professionals here, sir. But uh, <laughs> but but I'm I'm thankful because um, every time I could it would come back in town, every time I'd visit church on the north coast, it, it it you felt that you felt that love that that you know people are coming about commenting about in the comments about you you guys really don't realize how many thousands and tens of thousands of people that came through those doors that were broken that that were hurting and and they may not have been they may not have been lifelong members but the the time that they were there uh, was a was a memorable time, and that was that's the way it was for me. Pastor Tina, you talked about this a, a little bit, but I I want to ask you before we get to our last question. Um, uh, you know, a young pastor coming into the ministry, you talked about uh, loving the Lord, uh, but I want to get also, and and that's paramount, and and we make no apologies for that. Sometimes people, when they come on my podcast, they'll they'll slip up, they'll slip and say something about God. And I said, you don't have to be apologetic. We 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 are unapologetic about the Lord on this show. Even though this is not necessarily a Christian show, I am the Christian and I happen to be the captain. So if you want to talk about God, go ahead. But <laughs> in terms of practical uh, advice 
what would you say to encourage, you know, a young couple or minister that's just entering into or being called to the ministry? Well, I think he probably or she would need a mentor. Um, that would help save a lot of time and get right into to the, the work of the kingdom um, and somebody that you can trust. Mm-hmm. And then always check your attitude and your heart. Are you trying to build a church for you or are you trying to build it for Jesus? Because sometimes people are hurt so bad because people aren't showing up and my church just fell apart. Is it, is it because it fell apart on you or did it fall apart on the Lord? In John chapter six, Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? You know, he, he, he said, you have to accept all of me, whether it's painful or not painful. You have to accept all of Jesus. You have to take every word that he says and make it your word. Mm-hmm. And, and people were like, this is too hard. This is too much. I'm too progressive for this. Mm-hmm. And so they walked away. And he even looked at the disciples. Are you going to follow? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to leave me too? He wasn't in a popularity contest. It wasn't about building buildings and building um, a congregation. It was about serving his father. And if we could focus on serving our father Mm -hmm. the way he wants to be served, and you don't know how he wants to be served if you don't know his word. Right. And you don't know how to serve him if you don't hear his voice. Mm -hmm. So the practical to me always goes back to, know the real thing because the counterfeits out there right. if you don't know the real thing you'll buy into the counterfeit church yeah. i, I want to add something real quick yes sir as a young pastor two words season reason know that when people come to your church on a sunday morning they're they might be there for a reason they might be there for only a season mm. but they might be there for a lifetime very few are going to be there for a lifetime Mm. Most are going to be there for a season, but some are going to come for a specific reason. As Mm. a pastor, learn to be able to differentiate with that and know that if you're here because you're going through a divorce right now, that's your reason why you've come to God, then I have to facilitate the ministry to bring you through that time. Mm. Now, season-wise, maybe you're going through time in your in your family where you think your children need god they need to get back to sunday school they need to get into children's church or youth ministry okay well that's the season they're in that are they going to be with you for a lifetime probably not when that season is up they're going to leave but when you discern that as a young pastor then you pour into them the season that they're in now go to the lifetime the lifetime that they're in if they're going to be with you as a lifetime then realize the cycles that they're in. As ah. a pastor, I need to discern what cycle is, is Lou Cayetan in? What cycle is Chris King in? His, his cycle is now potentially empty nester. Okay, now my ministry to you has to be specific based on your cycle of your season. So it's reason, season, cycle and don't get them mixed up because if you do you're going to be heartbroken thinking not everybody's going to stay forever oh my goodness greg said wow yeah you're right reason and season greg you're right Uh, and you know that is oh oh i've seen so many uh i've watched so many pastors get get so dejected and frustrated because maybe they didn't tap into what you just said pastor canton that there, there is just a small cadre of folks that will be there from, from cradle to grave, right? 
Right, exactly. And and the only reason why they're going to stay, not only reason, but the part of the reason why they're going to stay is because their shepherd knows the cycle of life that they're in and will accommodate them. Remember what Jacob said? Jacob said, I can't drive these sheep too hard because they're going to, you know, some of them can't make it. Well, he, he was in touch with his flock. Right. He knew that some had a pace that had to be set. And so it is with some of the people. And I think discerning your congregation can't get up there and just pound your fist on the, on the pulpit and say, well, it's the word of God, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. God told me to say it. Well, that's okay, but you might be driving the people. And if you're driving them, you're going to, you're going to exhaust them. Mm. So know and realize when they're in a weakened state or in a needful state, or they can't be driven at this time. So it's kind of a, it's a delicate balance, really, when right. you're pastoring like that. So, man, that that is so powerful, and you know, this is that will definitely, no doubt, be a chapter in the book, or maybe a book by itself. Knowing the reason, the season, and the cycle, boy, I've never ever heard that before, Greg. That was absolutely phenomenal, and as you can see. It, uh, Pastor Kitts, in forty plus years of ministry, uh, it just exudes out of these people, and and uh, we we we're just we don't we don't even know what else to say. We're just blessed beyond measure. I think the music's gonna be coming on, and so that's letting everybody know that uh, at this time church is just about over, unfortunately. <laughs> but maybe uh, maybe next um, Pastor Appreciation Month, or we'll just create our own reason to have you guys back just because you guys are so inspirational and so so encouraging. I always give our guests an opportunity to leave a word of encouragement to our audience. And you guys have left so many, but I know that there's one more. I, w- I would just like to open up the floor for Pastor uh, Lewis and Tina Kayton to leave a word of encouragement to our listening audience, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Uh, the floor is yours. Pastor Tina? Well, I have to say to you, um, you made a comment about you ex- we accepted you and you have no idea how we feel you've accepted us you know even when you were a young teenager we felt loved and accepted by you we all need that and we, we're thankful and grateful that you've done that and so proud of you and all that you're doing absolutely and i i want to say absolutely to that but i think that for those that might be listening tonight that they're charting their course or trying to navigate through a time that they're in. You know, there's a story of a young man who was on a hike and he was climbing this 8,000 foot mountain. And when he was getting exhausted and felt like he couldn't go on anymore, he sat down on a rock, kind of panting heavily. And then suddenly this old man came down the trail of which he was going up. And he looked over at the man, young boy, who was panting, catching his breath, drinking water. And this is what he said to him. He said, you're closer than what you think. And what that did was that would encourage him to say, if you just keep pressing on, just around the next corner, you're going to get to where you need to go. You're too close to give up now. And I think for every listener, hey, listen, you are too close to give up now. It is closer than what you think. So get your water, catch your breath, and let's go. We've only got a short journey to get to where you need to be. 
<laughs> wow, ladies again, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, what else can you say to that, Greg? You're closer than you think. Man, what a word of encouragement. I have been blessed, and I hope you all have been too, with the ministry. Uh, 40 plus years, it, it exudes out of every word they say. Dr. Lewis and Tina Kayton, you can connect with him at lewiskayetonservices.com. They're down there in Florida praying for people sun up and sun down, literally, and ministering to people still in their retired state. Listen, we love you. We hope to have you guys back when you get another free moment. And uh, you have really blessed our audience. We hope we've been a blessing to you, too. Well, you certainly have, and we send you a kiss to you. (laughs) And whatever you guys are taking for, you know, the ageless thing, please send some up here uh, because I don't know what it is, but they look the exact same, guys, from 32 years ago. I just don't know how they do it. They said the joy of the the Lord is our strength. So God bless you, Pastor Lewis and Tina Canton. We love you. Love you. Thank you, sir. All right. Have a great night. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that was quite the show. Man, it, it's good when you can um, go over 15 minutes, and it didn't seem like 15 minutes. Thank you guys for tuning in. Those people are very, very special to me. And, you know, I I, I haven't been, I haven't seen them in since 2013 when Pastor Kayton and I got to speak at Mom Plowden's funeral. But those people really do... Um, those those people really do pour into man. When you're done in their presence, you feel different. And he says you're closer than you think you are, Nisi. You're where we all we that 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 spoke to me. I'm gonna go back and listen to that section right there. I'm gonna listen to the whole thing, but I'm definitely gonna. You're closer than you think you are, man. Just just when you you're ready to give up. And I, I feel like what I'm, what we're doing here is, is supposed to be a syndicated worldwide event with, you know, reaching thousands of people a day, not you know thousands of people a year. We we just we want to make impacts in people's lives, guys. And he spoke prophetically to us that we're closer than we think. So thank you. I this is it. I don't think we have any more shows. This was episode 199. So we're going to take a pause to get some things together for our 200th episode. I may very well be giving the 200th episode from a different location, totally geographically. So you will not have any shows uh, Thursday night, given the, the staff the rest of the week off. We're going to be putting together some special presentations for episode 200. And uh, you'll get... Trust me, you'll have plenty of invites. It's going to be an event. (laughs) You're going to want to come and be a part of that. We thank everyone for contributing all these episodes later. I didn't really realize that this was going to turn into what it has turned into. I didn't didn't think this was going to really amount to much, but uh, it has. And so episode 199 in the books, the next one that we do will be episode 200. It's going to be a time of celebration. Thank, thanking, uh, thanking God for helping us what we're what we're trying to do, and uh, sending a messenger to tell us that we're closer than we think. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Mike. Please pray for Mike, my co-host. His wife is uh, in the emergency room. That's why he couldn't join me in the pre-show tonight. So please pray for his wife. He needs um, they, she needs a touch of God, and so please pray for him. 
and her. All right, thank you, Greg, and uh, I'm going. That's going to be it for me. Until next time, we'll see you at episode 200. Look for the uh, events and uh, announcements on that. Thank you so much for your support of Impacting Life 24-7. With your host, C.L. King. <laughs>